Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're listening to Sane Show, show about nothing and everything. I'm your host, Cliff. And today I have another special guest joining us. He is the CEO of Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment, the Prudential Center, the New Jersey Devils, and one of the NBA's most storied franchises, the Philadelphia 76ers. He has a new book releasing, Be Where Your Feet Are, Seven Principles to Keep You Present, Grounded, and Thriving. Everybody, welcome Scott O'Neill. How are you doing this morning, Scott? Cliff, thank you for having me on the Saints show. Uh, love your work, love the podcast. I'm thrilled to be here today. Thank you, thank you. I'm super excited to have you on. You know, again, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to come on Saints show today. So before I introduce the topics, I want to take a moment to shout out all the listeners in all 60 plus countries. Thank you guys. I love you guys. Thank you for continuing to like, share, subscribe, and spread the word about Saints show. And if you're listening and you don't already follow us, be sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Sane underscore show. That's Sane, S-A-N-E underscore show on Instagram and Twitter. And then you can find us on Facebook at Sane Show. Again, on Facebook, that's Sane Show. So today we're going to have a conversation about skill versus talent. Then we're going to talk about converting failure to success. And then following those two topics, we're going to have an interview with you, Scott, so that the listeners and I to learn more about you, the things that you do, and all the fun and exciting things that go along with that. Cool? Great. Let's, let's awesome. get at it. So let's go ahead and hop right into it. Our first topic, skill versus talent. So in our first conversation, you said something that stood out to me, and I, I had to write this one down to, uh, for as a keepsake for me. And you said that what we lack in skill, we make up for with talent. And before I let you elaborate on that for the listeners and myself, though, I just wanted to say that I think it's super important that we recognize skill and talent both. And, you know, even when I think about it, even when I think about my personal journey as well, you know, talent is easily overlooked because unlike skill, talent really isn't measured where skill can be, where your know, skill, we can put a number to it, you know, cert- you know, certifications, it's something we can put on paper at the end of the day to be able to hold up and say, you know, this is where someone is and whatever it is that they may be doing. And so I just want to hand it over to you real quick just to you know, sure. get your, your thoughts on that. Again, especially going back to the whole thing, what we lack in skill, we make up with talent. I appreciate it. Well, I think there are three components. I think there's skill, talent, and confidence. From a skill end, I think about skills as things you can develop, you know, that you can sharpen your skill. It's the kind of the version of sharpening your saw, if you will. Like you can... You can get better at presentations. You can get better at financial acumen. You can get better at management. I think talent is a little bit more, the way I think about it, is a little God-given. You know, what have we been blessed with, if you will? Right. Um, what are your, your natural abilities, your, your natural ability to connect with people, uh, your natural ability to communicate? is very different from a presentation skill that you can develop. You know, your, your natural leadership abilities, some of the natural stuff that has been given to you. And then confidence is some combination of both. I think that's a, a combination of, of what you've been given and something you can develop and evolve. And, and oftentimes put in situations where we don't have the proper skill or skill set. And that has to be okay. And, and that's where we have to rely on both uh, our talents, kind of our God-given skills or talents, if you will, and the confidence we have to what I say, as I say in my book, act as if, you know, a lot of times when you're coming up through life, if you're, you have ambition and you want to 
be an incredible leader, or you want to start a company, or you're moving into a new role and there's uncertainty, or a new relationship and there's some of that. Um, a lot of times we're still working on our skill, but we might not quite be there. So, so that's when we have to have the confidence to rely on, on who we are and what's in the very nature of, of our, the depths of our, of our character and our soul to help mm-hmm. get us through. I, I think that's the, 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 the trifecta, the balance that effectively creates who we are and how we tackle situations. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to have to <laughs> I'm going to have to take and put that in my notes to uh, skill, talent and confidence. So you got my brain going. So when you look at some, you know, being in your position, again, you're a CEO. So when you look at people, you know, people reach out to you all the time and you know, hiring. You know, when you look at people especially those that may be reaching out to you regarding opportunities. What are you, what are you looking for? Like what, what, what sells you on an, on an individual? Sure. I, I'd say one thing, you know, there, there are some things you just don't know or can't know in an interview, mm-hmm. but the things that I would like to know if I can figure it out and ferret it out are one is, do you have a passion and a zest for life? I often see that in people's eyes. Um, people either have that or they don't. If you, if I, I, I lived in New York for a while and grew up in New York, and um, and if you've ever been on New York subway, there are some people on the subway that have lost the zest for life. That's the extreme example on the other side. They're just staring straight ahead. And I, I definitely look for people who are passionate about life. Second thing is, is I want to work with people who are are willing to work unreasonably hard. And I, I, I don't want to, to diminish those that were born with a silver spoon in their mouth because it's not fair to discriminate. Mm-hmm. Um, however, they oftentimes don't have the type of unbridled, hardcore work ethic I think that it takes to be extraordinarily, extraordinarily successful in anything you do. I have, not, I have yet to meet someone who's not willing to put the work in to be successful that is successful. And if I ever find that person, I'm going to stop whatever I'm doing and do what they're doing. But, but I think that's the, the other thing. Third piece would be, is the person intellectually curious? Meaning, what are you reading? What are you studying? What are you learning? What podcasts you listen to? What's your recent TED talk you have? What books are on your bedside? How are you getting smarter or uh, more informed about something outside of your current job or current mm-hmm. role? Like, what are you learning? What's, what's interesting? And, and I, have, I have plenty of things. I mean, I, I have this notion that, that 5G and blockchain are going to change the world. And so I'm reading a lot about those things. I don't know the first thing about technology. But you know what? I'm watching, I'm listening to podcasts. I'm watching YouTube videos. I'm getting educated. I'm reading research reports because I, I think that a lot of the future of my business is going to be wrapped up in those two technologies. So and it doesn't have to be those um, it could be geopolitical. Hey, I'm really interested in the history of a certain part of the world. Like, I, I just want people who are thinking and different and want to build kind of their knowledge base. Because I think you get more creative in your core job if you're learning things outside of your job. And I guess the last piece, which maybe is the hardest fared out, is are you an extraordinary teammate? Um, again, um, I, I, those are the, to me, those are the keys to success in any business, in any job, and certainly in, in Harris Blitzer Sports Entertainment, our company, and 100% in the people that I worked with at Madison Square Garden when I was the president there, or when I was running a, a group at the National Basketball Association or the Philadelphia Eagles before that. It's like, I know who's successful, and I know why. And for me, I think extraordinary teammates, while difficult, 
um, there are some signs. Oftentimes, <laughs> you know, extraordinary difficulty. You know, you can ask um, examples of when they helped a colleague, or you can ask about, you know, how they work with their peers. Uh, but but generally, people who grew up playing team sports at least under understand the concept of what it, what it means to help others. What it means to like catch somebody before they fall, not kick them. And so those are the, the four key pieces. It's passion, being socially curious, working on reasonably hard, and being an extraordinary teammate. Well, you said a lot of good things. And it, it makes me think back to, I, I forgot who said it. I, and I see it around a lot, especially like on LinkedIn. You know, you talk about you want employees who, who um, like you want to hire people that, I guess, like they say, like are smart, smarter than you or, or really just high, very intelligent people. Cause I even think about it too. Like one of the things for me, people having a team of people who, like you said, are go-getters who, who aren't waiting around for you to give them instruction, but taking initiative on their own as well and can bring something, can, can help bring something to the table. But that's, that's just kind of where, where my head is, you know, just listening. Yeah. To you, no, I, I, say I, what totally you agree. I, I think that when you're, when you're a leader of an organization, you were looking to bring around complementary skill sets. And right. so, if I am excellent at something and I'm not very good at something else, the folks around me, I hope are very good at that something else. And so I, I, I hear, I totally understand what you're saying and where you're going. And, and that's, you know, when you can find complementary skill sets and, and pieces, boy, that's when teams really start to come together. I'm, I'm a huge advocate for just diversity and not just for diversity's sake. I know it's en vogue now. Mm -hmm. but, but what I've found over time in, in our organization, when I walked in, you know, for, for, for better or for worse, I'd argue worse was entirely a uh, white male dominated. And you know, I had one woman who was a VP or higher and uh, one person of color who was a director or higher. And I look forward now. It's, it's a, I mean, it's a great success story now where we have 13 women SVP or higher, including our COO and heads of marketing and revenue, et cetera. 34% of our organization is now people of color. So you have a very diverse base. And, and uh, Machiavellianly, like, I will tell you, like, it's not because um, it's en vogue now. It's because I, I believe in the depths of my soul that we need diversity of thought, diversity of opinion, diversity of experience in an organization so we can have the right discussion and the right debate. And we have different perspectives. And that's how you come to the right answer. And this is a company that's grown six times in the last eight years since I've been here. So it's certainly, um, you know, I would add contributing quite a bit to the extraordinary performance we've had. But I, I, I do. I, I think that we have to look outside of ourselves and start figuring out how we get the best information. And that comes from, through a diverse crew, of course. I agree. All right. We're back. So now we're going to have a conversation about converting failure to success. This is honestly one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> I know you touch on this in your book as well. And I believe that there is somewhat of a false narrative about being, you know, we always talk about having a plan and, and, you know, wanting to properly execute, but things don't always go according to plan. And you and I both know that very well. And, and, you know, speaking for myself, I've come to appreciate my failures in life. And even when I think about having, you know, very big audacious goals and the goals that I have for myself and even for this show, you're going to go through things. And 
you're going to have you're going to you're going to have some a lot of things that you're going to learn and as i like to say you know to whom much is given much is required especially uh, there's a book actually i read recently as a man think of and one i remember in the book it does talk about like the more you want the more you're going to have to give so you know i tell people now that the sooner we accept <laughs> that we're going to make mistakes and that we're going to fail at some things the quicker we're going to learn and and now that i even think about it i don't just say that for the sake of saying it like oh yeah you're going to learn you're going to now that you accept that you're going to learn quickly from it no but you're going to be almost like more willing because you've accepted that now it's like okay cool let me go ahead and learn from this and, and correct and figure out how i can do better and maybe so not repeat the same mistake so i want to get your thoughts on this when we talk about converting failure to success sure i mean uh you know one of my favorite quotes is from mike tyson and he said uh, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face which i just absolutely love and i i think the notion that the world has is a lot of what we see on social media and i i, while I love seeing photos of a perfect family vacation or my kid just got into Ivy League school or, hey, I just had my birthday and look at all my friends or whatever, whatever those incredible things are. And I love that people share. I mean, I love staying connected uh, with people through people so I can get a sense of what's happening with people in my life who I love and root for. Um, but I, I don't think that tells the true story or reality of what life is, because I think life is pretty messy. You know, you get fired from a job or you run a company into the ground or you have a miscarriage or you go through a, a rocky time in life, or you make a mistake and stumble and fall, or you're struggling with your kids, or you're struggling with your partner, or, you know, life and all, all that stuff's happened to me. And so I want to have it be okay that we can be vulnerable with who we are and the messiness of life. And that Instagram perfect, picture perfect view that, that we might be putting out there might be saying the wrong signals. It's certainly saying the wrong signals to you know, our Gen Zs and our millennials, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we, we need to be okay being okay. Yeah. And we need, when things go, go wrong, boy, what an opportunity to learn. All of the learning I've had in my life that's worth anything to me has happened when I've tripped, I've fallen, I've stumbled. And I learned that when the really bad stuff happens, everything's going to be okay. And you just got to take to pull that lens back a little bit because we're staring right in front of the smack dab of that big oak tree trunk. And if we just pull back a little bit and see the whole forest, I think life gets better. I, I have this notion that we're in the eye of our own storm. And, and when you're when you're 14, when you're four, my 14 year old daughter and your friends are all together and they're making TikTok videos and they're posting them and you're not there. Boy, your world is crashing down. You know, mm -hmm. if you're a. My 17-year-old daughter and you, you crash your car when you're 16 years old, your whole world is crashing down. You know, if you're my 21-year-old daughter and going through a breakup with her boyfriend of a year or so, your whole world is crashing down. All those things are, are real and they're all true and they all hurt. But in the scope of life, you're going to be okay. And those things happen and they will happen. And we have to be strong and we have to be confident. And we have to look for the lessons we learned because that's the key. It's like that journey, you know, that we're on, which people oftentimes I think misappropriate to the, the, like a mountain, if you will. And I would just say, you get to the top of that mountain, you learn a couple of things. One is the journey is where all the learning and fun happen. It's not at the top of that mountain. And the second thing you learn is 
that mountaintop is pretty lonely. And the third thing you learn is I want to find another mountain to climb because that's the fun. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think we're missing that today. I think we're, it's not only 15 minutes of fame or 15 minutes of whatever the Andy Warhol said. I think it's 15 seconds. It's like, we want everything now. We want everything to happen right now. And the reality is, is it's not like we have to have a longer lens. We have to have, we have to set things, goals out there that we want to achieve. And then we have to work towards them. And then when things go wrong, cause they will, they always do like things. always. no, I, I have, I've run two companies now. I have um, failed at epic levels across both of them on multiple occasions, sometimes multiple times a day. And, and I will tell you that, man, what a gift. Cause I get to learn a lesson. Mm-hmm. And I try not to repeat those same mistakes. And when I don't, I get better. I get smarter. I get tougher. I get stronger. And that's how we keep growing. That's like the evolution of life, not only business-wise, but also personally. You know, if you're dating the same person over and over and over and the same results keep happening, like find somebody else to date. Or maybe you have to change something you're doing. You know, so so we've got to, I, I think this this notion that everything is going to have a Hollywood ending is is inhibiting our ability to optimize who we are and who we aspire to be. <laughs> you spoke my spirit on that one. <laughs> yeah, I I mean you said some really great things, definitely gems. <laughs> it you know, it makes me think about too. I I've been telling people lately that I finally at this I'm I'm, I'm 28 years old and I finally learned what it means to be content. And I now what I now know what people mean when they say like, you, you know, you watch all these celebrities and they do these interviews and or, or successful people in general, you know, they, they, they do the interview and the person will ask them, you know, would you do it all over again? And when they say yes, I know what that means now. <laughs> yes, because I wouldn't all the things that you go through make you into the person you are today you know you wouldn't be at this this point and having learned all those lessons and having gone through all those ups and downs and things of that nature i totally agree i I love that because we we are the collection of the people in our lives and the experiences Mm -hmm. we've had i mean that's who we are i i love that Uh, and 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 some of the pain and some of the hurt that comes with that journey is all kind of just another piece of the puzzle that has given you another, another something else to draw from and draw on. I love, I, I love that. I love your perspective. I was with a guy, um, my wife and I went to see this. Um, Russell Ballard is a religious luminary, and he's 92 years old. And he was sharing some of his his wisdom and things he's learned in his life. He said, "How old are you, son?" <laughs> I said, "I'm 51 years old." And he said, "Oh, you're just a boy." You know, at, at 92, I think I am to him. You know, I, when you said you're 28, I said, oh, man, he's so young, so fun. You know, you're at such a fun stage of life. And, uh, and at, at 28, you're, you're not a kid anymore. You're, you're a man, you know. And, yeah. and you've, you've been through some of the ups and downs. And you've had some real hurt and pain. You've had some real success and joy. And you've had, hopefully, a real relationship. And you're, you're getting to that point where you understand who you aspire to be is so amazing it's such a fun time of life that is very true very true
All right, now for the interview, uh, I got to say, Scott, is uh, this has really been great. So <laughs> uh, ready to uh, take and dive into these questions. I'm going to go ahead and fire off with this first question for you. What inspired you to write a book about your challenges and conflicts? Well, my, uh, my best friend of 20 years took his own life. As I was standing up to, um, speaking at his funeral, I'm looking down at his five incredible children and his uh, beautiful wife and looking out and thinking the thing that could not shake was he is not going to be able to share any of his lessons, his life lessons. And we had met at Harvard Business School, wonderfully successful man, Will Carden is his name, um, incredible family. And he was suffering from pretty hardcore depression. And I struggled after that for quite a bit and spiraled into some grief. And I found myself asking friends and family, you know, are you struggling? Like, how, how do you, has everything been perfect for you? Because it hasn't been perfect for me. And what I found was all these incredible people that I know and love started to open up and share some really vulnerable moments and the lessons they learned. And I thought, man, what a great notion. Because the, the two things I care about most and what gets me out of bed in the morning is I want to help develop the next great generation of leaders and I want to leave the world better than I found it. And I thought, man, what a tribute to my friend. What an incredible opportunity to share some stories from some amazing people. And, and maybe it makes a difference. Maybe, maybe this book, Be Where Your Feet Are, moves one person to change or to grow or gives perspective or provides some help. And, and I know the book is written because just in the style that I like to read, it's written in stories because I like to read stories because I have ADD and can barely sit still for five minutes, let alone for a few hours to read a book. It has practical exercises because I like to move from the theoretical to the practical and it's authentic. It's real. It, it will bring you to, you know, you'll find some emotion here. Um, and I, I think that today's world, we have to be okay with who we are and we have to be comfortable living out loud and loving out loud and learning out loud and, um, and, and hoping that this book provides some of that for some of the readers. Yeah, that's really, that's really powerful. Really powerful. My next question to you, how has the concept of work-life balance evolved for you into being where your feet are? You know, I, uh, I work in an industry where I work a lot of nights. I'm probably 150 nights, 100 games, 20 concerts, and then travel. So, you know, I don't, I don't have the luxury of the nine to five world that I read about when I was a kid. And, and so I've learned pretty quickly that, that I'm not alone. A lot of us are, are working a lot. And those who are successful oftentimes are working seven days a week, 10, 12 hours a day, and sometimes more. And, and so what I've found is, is I, I've kind of dispelled the notion of balance because my good friend, Laura Hodgson once said, like, there's, there's, there's no fun on the seesaw when you're balanced. And I, I would say that I think you've got to be present. You have to be where your feet are. You, you truly have to identify the moments that matter and then show up. You know, I've got three daughters, chaos in the morning ensues, chaos. And so we're just trying to get them out to school and, and get them on their way. It's like NCAA tournament survived advanced time. And then they're at school and they've got sports, basketball or cheerleading and you know, they got boyfriends, but we don't want to talk about that. And then they have, you know, and then they're, they're off to homework. I'm working and then I'm home. And how much time do I actually have that's quality with them? An hour a day, 45 minutes a day? And I have to ask myself, how do I want to spend that time? 
And the answer is I want to be wholly present. I want to be where my feet are. I want my phone down and my head up. I want to have real conversations that are meaningful, not just how was your day? Good. How was school? Fine. Did you learn anything? No. I actually want to talk about issues. And there's so many incredible issues that young people today want to talk about. But it's not just about the young people. My wife, for 25 years, we have to keep it fresh. She happens to be like one of the most interesting people in the world. And she reads and studies and learns. She's got, she's got perspective on so many different topics off a variety of things. If I'm not present with her, I mean, I was at the dinner with her. And by the way, I'm not perfect at this. I was at the dinner the other day. And I was checking the score of a game that had some implications on the Sixers playoff push. And she said, I'll wait. And I was like, wait, what? She said, I'll wait. I said, okay. Are you waiting for me to stop looking at my phone? She's like, yeah. Well, if that's more important than our conversation, go ahead. Keep doing your thing. Just let me know. And man, what a, what a wonderful reminder to get your phone down and your head up and stay connected because I don't have enough time with her. And we don't have enough time with the people we love. Can you imagine if you had an unlimited amount of quality time with the people that matter most in your life, how different life would be? Well, we just don't, it doesn't exist because life happens. And so I, I, I think the notion of balance is, is misplaced. And I think the, the notion of being present, if you come in my office and you're in a meeting, you would check your phone at our cell phone cable when you walk in the conference room. Does that work for everybody? No, it makes, especially the younger set, you know, they get uptight. Millennials, Gen Zs, they start, they start twitching. And I'm like, hey, can you imagine how much better this meeting is going to be if you have your head up and you're looking around saying, hey, I know your daughter had a soccer game this weekend. How'd it go? Hey, your nephew got married. What was that like? Oh, hey, did you go to the game Tuesday? How was that? How was your experience? We need more connection. We need, we need to be more connected with each other, especially coming out of this COVID isolation. We need each other more now than we've ever had before. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, you're giving me things, a lot of things to think about. <laughs> and thank you for that. What is your four-part process to help people become more present? Sure. The four parts of this, I'll talk about them a little bit. Find perspective, seek authentic feedback, cultivate reflective strength, and then live your leadership constitution. Perspective is hard for us unless you're extremely self-aware. And so, so perspective is really understanding what role you're playing in your version of being where your feet are. So, so in this conversation, Cliff, for example, like if you were checking your texts or your emails right now, or you're checking stocks or checking scores or flipping on the TV in the background, there's no way you could be as good as you are. It just wouldn't happen. And so, so having that perspective on what um, completely what, what your life looks like when you are, can be where your feet are. I think that's critically important. And then you, I talked about Lisa providing feedback at a restaurant and telling me I wasn't where my feet are with her. I'll wait. What a, what a, what a wonderful and grounding perspective. Reflective strength is harder for some, especially the young. It's like we have to figure out how we can find some stillness in our life. For, I had this notion of do something for your mind, something for your body, something for your soul every day. To be fully present in our lives, we've got to find somewhere between five and 10 minutes of stillness a day. And if that's prayer and scriptures, awesome. If it's meditation, amazing. If it's just sitting outside and listening to the birds chirp in the morning, terrific. But you've got to find some peace and stillness to be able to have the discipline to be present. And, and when you're, if you're, if you're at a movie, 
don't have two or three screens going. If you're watching a game, you don't need a second and third screen. If you're with your best friend, put your phone in your pocket. You know, there's nothing more distasteful for me to have a bunch of teenagers over my house and they're sitting around a table and they all have their phones and none of them are talking. It's like, we need to be better. And then your leadership constitution, I encourage your, your listeners to answer these two questions. You know, I declare that I am dot, 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 and you can count on me to be dot, dot, dot. So I declare that I am, and you can count on me to be, because you have to figure out who you are when you're your best self. And if you can write that down on paper and read it in the morning while you're brushing your teeth every day, you get a pretty good sense of who you want to be and how you can be more connected with the people that really matter. That's very true. Very true. And my last question to you, what kinds of conversations do you hope your book might inspire between teammates, colleagues, and friends, and really anybody that picks up a copy and read it? I love that question. I, I hope that you will walk into your staff meetings and you might start each meeting by saying, hey, why don't we go around the table today and talk about one thing we're grateful for? Or you might be at a family dinner tomorrow and you go around with your family or your friends, however you define family. It could be you know, everybody defines family differently. But you go around the family and say, okay, why don't we talk about one thing we learned today? And, and you might be talking with your best friends and you might say, hey guys, why don't we talk about a time that we set a goal, failed, and what we learned? Can you imagine if we just stoked conversations differently? We're, we're able to be more vulnerable and authentic. I think at that point, that's when we're able to, we're able to help each other for one, be a support system for another, and increase our learning. And the second thing I'll tell you that popped into my head as you were asking the question was, man, oh man, oh man, we need to be a better, we need to do a better job of being more aware of people in our lives who may be struggling. And so if you're on a lot of Zoom calls like I am these days, there'll be some people who just have their cameras off every day. You want to figure out like, do they have their cameras off because they're struggling? How about your friend that's voicemail is always full? Or how about your friend who hasn't emailed you back in two weeks? Mm. How about someone who said they were going to show but never showed? It's, it's very likely some of these folks are struggling. And I, I wonder if, if when someone pops in your head, if you simply sent a text and said, hey, you know, Cliff, I was thinking about you yesterday. I just wanted to tell you that I love you. I hope you're doing okay. And let's connect because I'd love to, love to, I would love to catch up. You know, one thing I learned from you a long time ago was X, Y, and Z. Man, oh, man, oh, man. Do one of those a day. How about texting your mom today? Hey, mom, just want to tell you I love you. I appreciate you. When you took me on that trip when I was 13 to see your work, it changed the way I see the world. It changed the way I, I saw women and it changed the way I saw you as a mom. I just want to tell you, like, you have made a tremendous impact, me, impact on me and it still impacts me today. How about you send something to your mom? Like, we don't do this well enough as a society. And I tell you what, if everybody sends one text a day to someone who they think of that pops into their head or that they care about, the world gets better and life gets better. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have me going out texting people today. I'm so serious. So, <laughs> yeah, I hope I'm so. so serious. 
that's <laughs> that was some really great some really great answers scott uh, really great answers like i said you got you got my brain going you got me thinking and definitely going to do some reflecting so i i really appreciate all that great insight and all that wisdom that you offered today i appreciate you i appreciate the work you do i appreciate your listeners and i want everyone to be where their feet are be grounded take care of each other and smile a little bit there, there it is. So listeners, well, first, Scott, thank you again for taking time out of your schedule to come on Saint Show. I really appreciate it and really enjoyed having you as a guest. Definitely would like to have you back on in the future. Um, so thank you again. And thank you listeners for continuing to like, share, and subscribe. And make sure to grab a copy of Scott's book, Be Where Your Feet Are, Seven Principles to Keep You Present, Grounded, and Thriving. You can order it on Amazon. And am I missing anywhere else, Scott? No, that's, well, you can get it anywhere. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, but- So anywhere where books are sold, you can get it. But I I would request one thing is that if there's an indie bookstore in your neighborhood, I love Amazon, I love Barnes and Noble. They are wonderful and wonderful partners. But, you know, Main Street took a beating during the pandemic and they need our help. So uh, indie bookstores are wonderful as well. Awesome. Awesome. So listeners, you guys heard them Uh, again. If you need to know where to find a book, there will be a link in the show bio. So definitely go there click it. And also, you know, again, there's a rewind button, like I always say. So definitely be sure to pick up your copy of the book. I know I'm going to order me a copy. So again, you guys are listening to the same show, show about nothing and everything. And until next time, we're out.